0: Maximize your influence here. Podcast 324. Kurt Mortensen. Welcome, Maximizers, as we learned how to maximize your influence, your persuasion, your sales, your income, and in every aspect of your life. Spent a couple days this week in Chicago. Yeah, cold. See, growing up in California, I didn't really believe in the chill factor, but living on the East Coast, Pennsylvania, you learn that it's not just a figment of your imagination, it's just not a thing that the news media used to drum up attention. It is real. It cuts right through you. It was cold. It was five degrees. It was snowing, but we had a good seminar on advanced sales skills. Shout out to Chicago. Hey, great pizza, good food out there. And spent a lot of time talking about when it's time to influence. That's more of a leadership role. When it's time to persuade, when you get someone to your point of view, and that happens more in a process. When to negotiate. That's when you have two persuaders going head to head. And persuasion, you bring someone to your point of view and negotiates more of give-take, give-take, and meet in the middle, and when to sell. That's when you actually get them to change or switch or do something dramatically different. Hope everyone's having a great week. Getting to your goals, becoming more influential, getting more persuasion tools is a goal here because most people only have four or five persuasion tools. There's over a hundred. In fact, I just finished recording a series of... On a 100 persuasion tools, just a tool at a time, you can become much more influential. So check it out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeart. And on the website, you can also take your Persuasion IQ assessment, get the free book Maximum Influence, and bottom line, get more persuasion tools. Let's kick it off with the ninja of the week. This goes to Nando's. I've never been there before in the states. I've been there before out of the country and it's a good Portuguese South African chicken place. They describes himself as the PDPD, spicy, fun, good chicken. And I'm going to give them the ninja. Why? Because they decided where I was starting in the journey. What I mean by that is a lot of times you get in there and they just assume you want to sit down, they assume you want to stay, they assume you want to drink, they assume you don't know what you want to order, and all these assumptions can lead to resentment and frustration. And this happens in sales and persuasion all the time is that we don't know where our prospect is starting. Maybe they've done all their research, maybe they know exactly what they want, maybe they know... Maybe they're ready to purchase, and you're starting with introducing your company. Maybe they already know your company. Maybe they already know you. Maybe they've already had a presentation from the competitors. Where are they starting in that journey? Especially with the internet nowadays, you don't know. They might be 90% there, and you're starting at 1%. They might be 10% there, and you're starting at 50%. You have to ask through questions to figure out where they are in their journey so you can adapt and customize to them. Because you start at the beginning, and they're already in the middle Then all of a sudden you're starting in the wrong place and it's going to cause resistance and objections. So the reason I'm calling out Nando's as a good thing, as a ninja, because they found out exactly where it was in the process. Are you here to eat or drink? You know, I wanted something to eat. You want to stay or take out? I want take out. Have you been here before? Yeah. Do you need a menu? No. Do you know exactly what you want to order? (laughs) Okay. They knew I was there. I knew what I wanted to order. I didn't want to dink around and it was to go. They found out exactly where I was starting. They didn't try to give me a seat, get me a drink, tell me what to order. I didn't need to know the specials. They found out exactly where I was, which is very rare for restaurants because usually because restaurants usually just assume that you're starting at the beginning. Now, there's a time and place for assumptions and to throw those what I call those persuasion darts. And there's really two times to do that. If you're at a flea market, And you've got five seconds to grab someone's attention. You're throwing a dart. You're assuming what they want. And hopefully it'll stick. And you might get it one out of a hundred times. Or after you've identified what's in it for them, where they are in the journey, then assuming the sale, doing your presuppositions can help in the persuasion process. But most of the time, it comes across as very old school and it has the opposite effect. So Nandos, you are our ninja of the week. All right, time for our geeky scholarly article. This is from the Journal of Experimental Psychology, that people bend the truth even at personal monetary cost to avoid appearing dishonest. Now, we've all heard honesty is the best policy. We've heard that. But what if the truth seems less believable than a fib? that's true in persuasion. Let me just add it. Even if you, what you're saying is true, but it seems too good to be true, it's going to seem not true to them. So this was done at the University of Chicago by Professor Alex Shaw. They found evidence that in highly favorable circumstances, that that could prompt people to fudge the truth or to lie, even when it cost them money. So they used some experiments in interactive games, and they discovered people sometimes weigh the cost to their reputation more heavily than the cost to their pockets. For example, a person who drives to work may underreport their mileage for expenses. A lawyer who works unusually high hours may bill fewer to avoid making a client feel cheated. A winner of several consecutive coin flips may sprinkle in a few losses. So in the first experiment, the researchers looked at lawyers and had them imagine giving a client an estimate of a 60 to 90 billable hours. Half the participants were told they were actually worked 60 hours, while the other half were told they worked 90 and the clients had no way to verify the hours. So the 60-hour group reported working 62.5 hours, with 17% of the respondents falsely inflating their time spent. But the 90-hour group reported an average of 88 hours, with 18% of the respondents falsely under-reporting how long they worked. And they found similar results in another experiment with undergraduate students, when they were playing online dice rolling and coin-flipping games, Winning 15 cents for each successful roll or flip. Now, these games were rigged, and half the students were ensured that they're going to win 12 out of 12 times, which logically we know is never going to happen. And 25% of those participants underreported their wins compared to 4% of the control group. Even though it was true, it didn't seem true, and 25% lied about it because they wanted to appear dishonest because it doesn't seem true. So, Professor Alex Shaw says, If you're worried about appearing dishonest they cause you to lie in some circumstances and they acknowledge that some real world scenarios could produce different results and they're going to continue with future research to find those boundaries between lying and telling the truth all right let's bring in some listener email oh boy remember if i read your email on the show you get a free subscription to influence university at InfluenceUniversity.com. There's also free membership there if you want to get started learning some new influence tools and the advanced mastery programs also available there. This is Bill from Orlando, Florida. He said, hey, I'm new at sales. I just got a promotion. I really didn't want that promotion. I really didn't have an option. It was either take the promotion or kind of get fired or leave. I am scared to death. How do I get over the fear of selling? By the way, appreciate all your work in the world of persuasion and influence just finished your book laws of charisma and i know it's going to help well thanks for the kind words bill let's get into that sales phobia how do you conquer the sales phobia we all have to sell something we all have that fear of selling i mean what does it take to sell and persuade at any encounter think about it when was the last time you didn't get something you wanted what happened did you fail to get your point across were you persuaded by somebody else Because sales and persuasion influence have changed dramatically. But what prompts people to buy and take action? Because all of us at some point have lost a client, a customer, or even a friend, failed a business, blown a new account. These setbacks hurt. But the question is, who's to blame? It costs you money, it costs you embarrassment, it upsets you. Who's going to be blamed for this discomfort and this fear part we have to take ownership for and ask ourselves, what is this costing you? this fear of talking to people, this fear of failure, this fear of rejection, this fear of criticism. It's costing you money. It's costing you time. It destroys your time management because you put off all the income-producing activities because those usually include rejection. You got to make some copies and got to make research and schedule lunch and talk to a coworker and check out your email. You're doing everything Because of that fear, everything that are quasi-important, but not as important as being face-to-face or over the phone. Now, on one hand, you've probably been to a sales presentation, maybe even a timeshare where you bought everything. (laughs) Because you were going in, not going to buy, not going to buy, and you bought everything? What if you take that power of sales and persuasion, put it into an aerosol can, and you just spray people, and they said yes all the time, that would be worth millions to you. Versus, of course, how much money have you lost? So let's talk about this fear factor, give you some tools to overcome that. If you want to check out the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, we also talked about some fear factors and ways to overcome it this week, kind of supersize what we talk about on the podcast. But this fear factor, the first thing is, what's the source? Where did you learn this fear? Yes, it's learned because you were only born with two fears. Every baby ever born in the world, two things will start them. Fear of falling, fear of loud noises, we've talked about that before. You've learned this fear. All your fears, if you've learned, you can unlearn them. You've got to pinpoint what that is. And there are some things you can do to really overcome that fear. One is to rebrand the fear, give it a different meaning. That's why a lot of salespeople say some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? That's why they know that it's 10 no's forever yes. But to rebrand the fear means to give it a different meaning. And what you do in sales, get over that sales phobia, is to know your numbers. For example, if you make $1,000 a sale and you make 10 calls, nine is no and one is yes. So you know that every call you make is worth $100 to you. And so if you get that no, you're like, thank you for the $100 and you move on. It's rebranded. It's not the failure. It's not the rejection. Just one step closer to making the money. It's worth $100 to you. That's rebranding the fear. Another thing with fear is to learn to get back on the horse. And what that means is if you got a big rejection, a big failure, you make that next phone call as soon as you can. You get face-to-face as soon as you can. You do that next presentation as soon as you can. Because with fear, the longer you wait and let it fester and let that seed of doubt grow into a tree of fear, get back on the horse right away. Don't put it off. Don't go home. Don't go off and cry. (laughs) Get back on the horse. And the other thing with fear The more you're prepared, your fear will erode away. A lot of fear and worry come, and worry is a form of fear, from not being prepared. Just showing up, haven't practiced your presentation, you're not ready for the questions or the objections. You've focused on all the negative things that could happen, you haven't been prepared. The more you're prepared, fear will erode away. So that's the first thing. Let's address that fear. Other things that can help come over your cells' phobia and cause that inaction that cause you to do other things besides the things you're supposed to be doing is goals. Having goals. You're going to make 100 calls a day. You're going to make 10 presentations a week. Now, maybe your goals are too big. That can be very demotivating. Have micro goals. Maybe it's hourly goals. Maybe it's daily goals, whatever you need to do. And part of goals too is to do the hard things first. If you have a goal to make 10 calls, do that first. Do it so you don't have to think about it all day and let it fester and let the fear grow. Or schedule a certain time of the day. You know every day at one, this is what you do. These are the calls you make. This is what you're doing. And you have to realize when you create a goal, it's not an option. Well, I got close or, you know, it's Friday. Well, it's Monday and everyone's busy and it's. Like, it was a long lunch today. If you make a goal to make 50 calls a day, there's no option here. If you only got to 42 You have to add that eight to the next day. You have to make 58. It's not an option. And realize with goals, putting the why behind the goals. Why are you making those calls? What's the extra income going to do for you? Another thing that's very, very helpful with sales phobia and overcoming that fear is become a product of the product. You believe in what you're doing. You're changing lives. You're passionate about it. When people like say, no, you don't slump over and walk away. You say, no, 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 this is important. Because in sales, you have a moral and ethical obligation to persuade them. Because if you don't, someone that's not going to serve them as well as you do, that has an inferior product to you, is going to take their money. It might as well be you because you have a better product and you're going to serve them better. Get excited. You're changing lives. You've got to reframe it. You're not just taking money from people. You're serving them. You're solving the problem. You're making them money. You're saving their money. You're helping their health. Whatever it is, you've got to be a product of the product. When you go buy a Ford, you don't want them driving a Chevy. If they're telling you to lose weight and they need to lose weight more than you, something's up. If the chef's ask you to try a plate but they won't try it, something's up. Being a product of the product, being a product of the service, whatever it is, really helps it. Do some research, look at the success stories and realize, hey, you're making a difference. The next one I call a negativity release valve. Now it's human nature to bottle up that negativity, all those no's, it ruins our esteem. Call it FUD. It's known in the crypto world as fear, uncertainty, and doubt that people put in FUD, all this fear, uncertainty, and doubt into your mind. And you have to learn to detach and compartmentalize these rejections. They're not rejecting you as a person. Don't take it personally. And use that rejection to motivate you, get you to the next yes. Use it as a learning opportunity. How are you going to switch things up and change things for the next time? Let the haters hate. Let the negative people be negative. That's how people are. You could give a perfect presentation, have the perfect product, and people are going to say no. They're going to say mean things. They're going to be negative. They're going to be mean to you. That's who they are. You can't get past that, but you cannot take it personally. I know when I give a presentation to 100 people and 10 people say, awesome, changed my life, and the one person says, oh, wow, Kurt, I expected more from you, we tend to focus on that one negative one instead of the 10 positive ones. Or when I was traveling with my family during the holidays on December 26, my ticket said seat to be assigned, which is not a good thing on that big travel day, and I figured we'd be bumped. And the lady at the counter said, Mr. Kerr Mortensen, please come to the counter. And so I did. I walked up there. She had a long look in her face. He says, are you Kerr Mortensen? I said, yes. She says, would you mind, would you be upset if we upgraded your whole family to first class? I'm like, well, duh, yeah. And so we boarded. We were last three on the plane. The overhead compartments were full. And so I put my suitcase into coach not thinking much of it and at the time I had a little girl She was about four years old she was sitting in first class they we bringing her cookies and soda she was smiling she was giggy she was happy I was happy but when coach started to board they were not happy with my daughter I saw anger and frustration and pure meanness and wow and I'm thinking can't anybody pay for a first class ticket well yeah but people would rather resent the person sitting there than paying the price to get it and that's human nature People might resent you for giving a better presentation or for having a better product or for something that happened to them that day, and they'll be negative and mean to you. You can't take it personally. Because when that plane landed, I said, excuse me, sir, when I was getting my luggage out of coach, and he looked at me, he says, you know what? You're not first class. You're no class. Wow. What do you say to that? And the answer is nothing. There is nothing you can say to that because, you know, I don't know what's happening in their day and what's going on. But people get negative that way, and you can't take it personally. Let the haters hate. Let the people out there that spit on your dreams, they're going to do that. No matter who you are, you can't take it personally. You believe in your product or service. You know what you're doing. So you kind of have to have a negativity release valve. What do you do? You're feeling it. A lot of rejection. It's getting heavy. You're feeling like a failure. Your self-esteem is getting low. You have to have a release valve. So what are you going to do? Look at your vision board. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air, some sunshine. Red Bull, talk to a positive person, talk to a positive partner, spouse, look at your goals, get something to eat, take a break, take a nap, meditation, music, watch something that's funny, do something you're good at. We're all different here, but you should, within a few minutes, be able to have this release valve, do something that gets you back on track so you can get past it, that sales phobia, so that little rejection doesn't turn into a tree of fear and paralyzation, where you just don't move and you do nothing. And another thing that can help with that release valve is maybe looking at a victory list, thinking about a victory list, or even spend time to visualize a future win, or hang out with optimistic people or top producers. Whatever you need to do, you just can't sit there and take a bath in that negativity, in that rejection, in that criticism. You've got to get out, use that negativity release valve, get back on track, because that's the difference between... Mediocrity and greatness is like, all right, man, I just got beat up. I just got hurt. I just got rejected. I just got a big no. I just lost some money. Get back on track because if you take that negativity into the next call, into the next presentation, that's going to suck the life out of you. That's going to come across in your demeanor. That's going to come across in your thoughts. That's going to make your attitude a little more negative and it's just going to hurt the whole process. So, Bill, hopefully that answers your questions, and listeners, hopefully that gives you some tools to think about, because we all deal with this. A lot of people say, oh, well, you shouldn't be scared. We are. That's how we're brought up. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We don't want the no, but it happens. That's why you get the big bucks, because you're a persuader, you're an influencer, you're in sales. That is the key. So, Bill, free subscription to Influence University. For those that do have questions for me, I'm Kurt K-O-R T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can also find the podcast archives for free at InfluenceUniversity.com. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your feedback. Hit like, hit subscribe, tell your family, friends, and enemies about the power of persuasion and influence. Check us out on YouTube at Maximize Your Influence, and we're under Max Influence on Pinterest and Instagram. Thanks so much. Master this skill. Take something that I talked about today, make it a part of you, and go out and persuade with power.